You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now a word from our sponsor, SpyCloud, the leader in operationalizing cybercrime analytics. Traditional threat intelligence is a thing of the past. Cyber criminals are stealing vast amounts of credentials, session cookies, and financial data every day, and it's hard to keep up. SpyCloud is the trusted partner businesses turn to to fully understand their darknet exposure risk and neutralize threats before it's too late. SpyCloud alerts your organization as soon as an employee or customer's data appears on the darknet, so you can act faster than bad actors to prevent cyber attacks like ransomware, session hijacking, account takeover, and online fraud. With insights from the industry's largest repository of recaptured data, protect the digital identities and systems most important to your business. Get your free corporate darknet exposure report at spycloud.com slash cyberwire and see what information criminals have in their hands today. That's spycloud.com slash cyberwire. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CyberWire's Research Saturday. I'm Dave Bittner, and this is our weekly conversation with researchers and analysts tracking down the threats and vulnerabilities, solving some of the hard problems and protecting ourselves in a rapidly evolving cyberspace. Thanks for joining us. With all of these sort of tools, because you've seen it once, there's a possibility that If you're a threat researcher like we are, or a threat intelligence team, that there might be cause for you to run some of these configuration files that you find within criminal forums. And if you are doing that as part of your work, then inspecting those prior to running them is probably probably best. That's Rhys Baldwin, Director of Threat Intelligence at CASADA. Today we're discussing their work, No Honor Amongst Thieves, unpacking a new open bullet malware campaign. So Cassandra is an anti-bot company and we do threat research and threat intelligence, looking at criminal groups that are targeting our customers and also just seeing where those kind of financial groups are. Are operating. So we identified some malware within OpenBullet, which is a tool that is, can be used for pen testing or web testing, uh, but it's being used by cyber criminals to automate attacks against predominantly login details or login endpoints. And so we identified some malware within the configuration files in OpenBullet. Well, let's dig into that a little bit. Can you describe to us what are the capabilities of the open bullet tool and, and how do these configuration files play into that? Configurations are kind of the heart of open bullet. And these are typically text files that instruct open bullet how to call different functions, I suppose, or different endpoints on a target system. So we can think of it like if you're going to log in to an account on a website, you might have to visit a login page first and there'll be an API that gets called in the back end. And then you might 
log into that your account and then you might see all of your billing history or payment information. And so what the configuration files do is it sets out those steps within this text file and within those text files, it'll step the users of OpenBullet through all those steps. So you can load it into the OpenBullet software and then typically what you do is you then load in a credential dump. And these are typically email and password combinations. And you then test all those email password combinations against or using that config against your target website. And for every combination that is successful, that gets stored in a database on your machine. And so we look at these open bullet configs quite regularly and test some of these for our own internal threat research. And while we were looking at one of these, we identified that there was some um, headers that were in one of the calls to an API endpoint that looked rather suspicious. Now, to be clear here, I mean, OpenBullet is a legitimate tool, but I guess like a lot of pen testing tools, it's also used by folks who are up to no good? Yeah, absolutely. So it is a legitimate tool and it is used for testing. It can be used for pen testing or it can be used for testing in web development and those sort of things. It is absolutely a legitimate tool, but it is one of the prime tools that's used by some of the threat groups that we monitor to do credential stuffing attacks against uh, major enterprises. So I suppose the, the really interesting thing here is that you all detected some bad guys targeting other bad guys. Yeah, that's correct. So some of these criminal groups uh, hang out in Telegram channels and they share techniques and tactics and procedures and also they share these configuration files with each other. So one might say, it's a bit like horse trading, one might say, I have a configuration for retailer A. And the other says, oh, I have a configuration for airline B. And so they'll swap. And there are then other communities where they will freely post configurations that people have already used or these groups have already used and are no longer being as successful where then sort of new people to these communities can download and use them. These groups where they've shared these, a threat actor has added in some maliciousness to those configuration files because OpenBullet can open browsers and do automation that way using Selenium. And so in, in this case, what occurred is that the maliciousness within the config file, it would make a call to a pastebin site. And within that pastebin site was the end of a GitHub repo address. Now, when that was called, it would create the GitHub full URL and that would replace the Chrome driver that's used by OpenBullet to orchestrate the running of that Chrome browser on there. So the Selenium kind of powering of that and that's where we found we first found the actual malware well there's two payloads here can you describe them for us sure so the first payload is a rust binary that is downloaded and we believe that one is just a dropper 
that then calls a second payload. And these are both on GitHub and still available now. They get updated about once or twice an hour, both of these payloads, and just changing just a small amount, we think, to bypass sort of antivirus and and those sort of things, uh, those general sort of checks. So with the first one appears to be a dropper that then calls and drops the second one. And the second one is a, a compiled Python binary. Now, this malware is only targeting Windows at the moment, so everything is compiled only for Windows. Now, the, the second one is a, a piece of malware that is written completely in Python and is based off other open-source Python malware. Uh, but this one is controlled through Telegram. And what, what, what are its capabilities? So when we, when we looked at the original malware uh, that we believe that this one stemmed from, it had a lot of a lot of capabilities that you would see in typical malware campaigns. So the ability to take screenshots, upload and download files, execute processes on the host machine, those those typical kind of functions. But what we found was different between this one and the original was that it was now targeting cryptocurrencies. So they had written the threat actors had written a credential harvester. So it would decrypt stored logins from Chromium Brace browsers and also decrypt stored cookies in those same browsers. And then it would also search for directories associated with crypto wallets. And they had also written a payload that was for clipjacking, so monitoring the clipboard for pasted or copied crypto addresses, so Bitcoin addresses, Litecoin, Dogecoin, those those sort of things. And so when one of those was detected being put onto the clipboard, it would then put the attacker's crypto address in there in place of the one that had been copied to the clipboard so that any funds would be then transferred to them. And we were able to track some of those transactions. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Yeah, it's it's quite interesting. I mean, how successful do you suppose that they are being here? Well, we saw that looking at the GitHub repo, we saw that it was released in early July. So when we had a look at all the crypto transactions that were based on the the wallet addresses that we saw in the malware, uh, up until we released the the blog post, we looked and there was about thirteen US dollars. So not a lot. But since then, and since we've released our blog, that's jumped to a hefty $170. <laughs> so it's, but that's only the clipjacking part. So what this, what we can infer from this is that it is still getting run and it's still 
being somewhat successful. Now, we can't correlate exactly that this is from the clip tracking because it could be from other, other places and other things. But if we're looking at just those transactions as a, as a metric for measuring the success, then it is still running, it is still working. But that's about as far as we were able to go. Does it seem odd to you that we've got uh, threat actors targeting other threat actors? No, there's been a history of threat actors targeting other threat actors. So it's it's not really something that we find overly surprising. What we're finding, though, is that, you know, you would typically find something like this where someone would provide a compiled binary. So they would provide something that there was no way for you to be able to inspect it. So you installed, someone would give you something and say, this is a cracker for whatever tool you were looking for. And that would be infected with malware and then you would get it on your machine and, and that's how you would go. In, in this case, it's quite brazen because the configuration files that are used by OpenBullet are just plain text. So by simply opening that file in a text editor and reading it and being able to follow that control flow within it, you would identify that there is some maliciousness going on. You know, I, I typically uh, ask folks like yourself, uh, you know, what should people do to protect themselves against this? I mean, is, <laughs> is, is step number one, you know, don't be a malicious threat actor? In this case, it is. But with all of these sort of tools, there are, because you've seen it once, there's a possibility that if you're a threat researcher like we are or a threat intelligence team, that there might be cause for you to run some of these configuration files that you find within criminal forums. And if you are doing that as part of your work and uh, part of your practice, then inspecting those prior to running them is probably, is probably best, not to just trust that the configurations that you're getting are legitimate in that kind of illegitimate, legitimate sort of way. So, yeah, the way to protect yourself is just to inspect those config files. Our thanks to Reese Baldwin from Casada for joining us. The research is titled No Honor Amongst Thieves, Unpacking a New Open Bullet Malware Campaign. We'll have a link in the show notes. now a word from our sponsor, Netscope. Netscope is a worldwide leader in SASE and Zero Trust. Its unified platform, Netscope One, provides optimized access and Zero Trust security for people, devices, and data anywhere they go, helping customers reduce risk, accelerate performance, and get unrivaled visibility into any cloud, web, and private application activity. To learn more about how Netscope helps customers be ready for anything on their SASE journey, visit netskope.com. The CyberWire Research Saturday podcast is a production of N2K Networks, proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. This episode was produced by Liz Irvin and senior producer Jennifer Iben. 
Our mixer is Elliot Peltzman. Our executive editor is Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.